0: You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks
1: and Zach Bechtold.
0: Uh, So this week, as we um, are really kind of ending the season of Epiphany uh, and getting ready for Lent, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Transfiguration uh, found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9 verses 2 through 9. So Zach, do your thing with uh, this reading for today. Yeah, certainly.
1: Hear, uh, Hear from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them to the top of a very high mountain where they were alone. He was transformed in front of them, and his clothes were amazingly bright, brighter than if they had been bleached white. Elijah and Moses appeared, and were talking to Jesus. Peter reacted to all this by saying, "Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let's make three shrines—one shrines one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah." And he said this because he didn't know how to respond. For the three of them were terrified. Then the cloud overshadowed them and the voice spoke from the cloud. This is my son whom I dearly love. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the human one had risen from the dead. So, Matt, as you hear the story of the transfiguration, it's a fun story. Uh, Where did I go? (laughs) It's a fun
0: story. Uh, What what comes up with here to like transfigure (laughs) and appear? Because you disappeared off the screen. Like, I I thought you were, I I really thought you were doing this for dramatic effect. (laughs) I wish I was now. (laughs) You know, for me, I'm not like, this is actually one of my favorite sermons to preach, and even in my favorite, it's actually one of my favorite readings. Um, because you just, um, you definitely have as Zach, as Zach transfigured into uh existence. Um, okay, squirrel gone, good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love this because it's like it's totally how we would respond if we were one of the three. And Jesus said, "Hey, uh, let's go up, and I'm gonna I'm show you this really cool thing." And you know, somebody in the group would act. We have to make a T-shirt for this. Right. <laughs> One that has it has to have Moses on it, it, has to have Elijah, and it has to have Jesus, and it has to look really cool. And <laughs> I, I almost like, I don't know. There's an excitement about it, but then like what's really cool about it is you have this high holy experience. Obviously it's going to be a high holy experience because we're going up a mountain. So we know that we're going to be closer to God and, in the Hebrew line of thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but, but what's interesting is, and, and I, and I love how this like idea of not only does Jesus transform in front of them to really show Jesus's fullness of, of being the son of man. The other side of that is, um, what comes next. It literally leans us into Lent. Right. Like there is no doubt in our mind that from here on, we are pointing ourselves to uh, the Holy Week. And, and, and like, I don't there's just something about it for me. Cause he says, as they come down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the son of man uh, had risen from the dead. So there's a little bit of, like, you know, storytelling foreshadowing there. Right. <laughs> um, but yet like there's, it's a really great way to to lean into Lent a little bit. Like you could do seven weeks of Lent now because of this. Like it would be a great way of leaning into that because there's an excitement, but then yet there's also like, uh, what did we just experience? <laughs> <And> also <laughs> right. like, he's telling us not to tell anyone. Like, you know,
1: right? That that's what gets me. I mean, the story itself. It- it's a, we don't see it anywhere else, right? We don't see Jesus do this anywhere. We see him walk on water, water into wine, you know, we healing people, bring them back. To, we, we see those types of things that there's something about the vulnerability of Jesus in these moments that he's willing to take these three guys, Peter, James, and John up the mountain and go, here it is. You need to see this. um and and there's two things that fascinate me about it. You touched on one of them. Um, but the first one is they don't know what to do and in and, and the traditional thing that they did when they saw miracles and moments like this were to build shrines, you know, to build something to remember it. Uh, often it's a well, usually it's a stack of rocks. You know, there's always something um uh, that we'd read throughout the Old Testament and the Hebrew culture that when you see something cool, you you build a monument to remember it. And um that's their response. They didn't know what else to do. They were like this was something. Let's well, like I said let's make a t-shirt. <laughs> let's start a group. Let's build a shrine so we can come back to this place and remember it. And it, that's a huge piece of here's a touchstone now. Here's something that they can return to to remember this moment that they had with Jesus uh, because they know it's significant. Uh it, but I, I love that Mark's gospel names, they didn't know how to respond. Um, the disciples, the guys walking with Jesus, I mean, we're pretty deep into Mark's gospel. Uh, and they still don't know how to respond. They still don't know how to take all this in. They still don't know what to do with it, which gives me great hope um, that we're always learning. We're always growing. We're always doing these things. Um, the second thing that grabs my attention the most is the thing that Jesus does so much throughout uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he'll do something like this and go, don't tell anyone. Why why are we not telling everyone? <laughs> and I, I get the purpose behind it and the the length of the, you know, the the fullness of the story. But often when Jesus does something out of the ordinary, something Jesus-y, it's followed up with, now hang on to it. Hold on to it until after. You know, don't tell anyone yeah
0: well in mark's gospel that's a huge literary uh huge Mm -hmm. uh it's called the messianic secret i'll use my what limited biblical knowledge i actually have (laughs) um but what's key here is that um you know and and i was thinking about this today like i was thinking about this not really today but on sunday when we read uh got uh mark chapter one uh for the lectionary the demons recognized who Jesus was and Jesus was like, shut up. <laughs> like literally Here's like, a cliff. <laughs> like, sh- you know, just shut it demon. Um, but you know, it's easy for us on the outside to recognize like who Jesus is. Cause we know the whole story. It's a whole other thing. Like obviously these three who are his inner circle in the gospel of Mark, like these are his guys. Like these are the guys, He obviously took them up there to, um, equip them to, um, help like, like ground them. I always kind of see this as a grounding moment Mm -hmm. where he's grounding them to so. way. Then when it hits the fan, these guys can actually assure them, like, it's going to be okay. Like now here's the thing Jesus tells us then like, this is a, you know, foreshadowing of his death. And I really think it goes over them because they're Mm -hmm. in the high holy moment. Now, granted, they're coming down the moment when he tells them not to to say anything, but they would still be riding that high. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, it would be hard not to tell. Uh, And so holding on to that would almost kind of (laughs) help you not understand what Jesus then says, what is to come
1: right well and and that's the thing right like the story continues to go and and so they kept it to themselves wondering what what is this rising from the dead and they don't they don't have a concept of resurrection right like they don't what does that mean um they they there's a lot of wonder in what happens in the transfiguration from from start to finish and jesus shows them who he is and then tells them what's going to happen and they're, they just don't know what to do with it. They have a lot of questions. And I think you're right. It's the reassurance because Je- Jesus continues to tell that story of, well, there will be a day that I'm gone. I'll come back. And it's often, we don't know what that means, right? We don't understand Jesus. And and you're right. This transfiguration is the reassurance to those, the leadership, the core guys who then go and, right, who, who are at the time of Pentecost doing the thing. Um that reassurance that we may not understand, but it's going to be okay. There's hope in the end. There's, um, there's something bigger at stake here than what we know.
0: Well, and that's where like in verse six, where he's talking, the, uh, writer's talking about Peter. Um, uh, uh, you know, he didn't, he said these things like, and he's referring to like making the shrines. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how to respond, uh, for they were terrified. <laughs> right. And um, I mean, I I know that if I were an experience like this, I would be in holy awe, uh, verse yeah. six. Um, uh, but yet, like, it's almost one of those things where... And, and I know you've experienced this and I've experienced this too. You have that overzealous uh, church person that wants to do something, Uh uh, a very high D on the disc profile. Right. uh, When that's not what we should be doing. Like we need to sit in reverence with this. Like we need to sit and soak with it a little bit, take a beat, whatever you need to do to have that experience, like to really take in the experience. But what does the D and Peter do? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, let's do this, and and then Jesus shoots him down. (laughs) Like, if you notice, like, suddenly looking around, like, it's almost like Peter says this, and then all of a sudden it was gone. (laughs) Just so I like, oh, we're not gonna let you remember this. (laughs) Right? No picture.
1: Yeah, I mean that's and that's what Lent is, right? It's 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 the season of the year that we take a beat to be present in who we are, who we've been created to be to remember that we are dust, right? To, um, to fast, to give things up to take on spiritual practices, to just be, to allow ourselves to be present rather than, uh, allow ourselves to build shrines, uh, or monuments or touchstones, um, not so that we won't remember the things, but so that we would be present in them in the moment. Um, I think I don't know. For me, that's always what I have to remember during Lent. It's not about the busyness of the season. It's not about um, all of the things that kind of get in the way, but it's about being present in what what is before us and where uh, where and what the Spirit is telling us and, and pressing upon our hearts and souls in these moments. Uh, yet again, I mean, it, we do it every year and uh, it's always, if we allow ourselves to be fully steeped in it, to, to just sit in those moments, to sit in the ashes, if you will. Um, we see something new every year. We feel something new. It's it's a renewed sacred space, almost like coming back to the mountain to remember the transfiguration because that was such an important thing. It's that moment that we, you know, when we when we don those ashes on our foreheads and remember that uh, we are from dust and we'll return to dust, there's something sacred in that, that if we just sit in a, in a moment, we see these things before us.
0: Well, and I think that that's what's important of with Lent that I think gets overlooked. It's not about our practice; Uh, it's about how are we reconnecting with God. What are we doing that connects us with God or strengthens our connection with God? Um, And I said that on Sunday, Um, as far too often um, we say we're going to give up something and then you know, we barely make it through the week of Lent, uh, because it's not something that we're taking seriously. And then the other side of that too, is that it, it doesn't affect our relationship with God. And like, for me, that's what Lent should be about is, is centering ourselves and like either, you know, uh, if you're going to give something up, give something up that is hindering your relationship between you and God. If you're going to take something on, take something on that's going to grow your relationship between you and God, not just, not just to check a box. And I think sometimes Lent gets thrown into that check a box, that kind of category, uh, more of a badge of honor than an actual spiritual time of, uh, recentering. And I think that that's, um, that's something I seem to find myself talking more and more about during Lent, um, as, as I'm getting older. Uh, but I think it's something that we have forgotten that that's really what this season's about. It has nothing to do with, uh, uh, um, you know, not eating chocolate. If <laughs> it, Now, if your eating of chocolate affects your relationship with God, then yeah, like not a bad, not a bad practice to take up. But if it doesn't do anything between you and your relationship with God, then why are you doing it? Like, I think that that's a good like thing to think about.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's just kind of a, you look at the transfiguration and there's a vulnerability of Jesus of allowing these people these guys in even further than he already has, and in Lin's Lynn is that for us, right? It's us being vulnerable in a way that allows um, allows ourselves and and allows the Holy Spirit in a little further than we've ever let it. Um, we have to be vulnerable um, in the ways in which we're present, whether that's with a group of group of folks like this, like Jesus did, whether it's with ourselves and and God and everything in between like I, there's there's something significant about uh the season and the practice of lent that we need to hold on to uh in the presence department like you said recentering uh doing the things that we can do um regardless of what people think uh you know what is it for you that's going to draw you closer to center uh the closer to the spirit this uh this season and and own it be, you know, don't beat yourself up if you don't do it every day, right? Like take the steps that you need to take just to simply be present, um, in this, in this season.
0: Well, I'd definitely give yourself grace, uh, Lots which, grace. Is, so much which grace. is really what Jesus would have wanted you to do for your practice. Anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. speaking of practices, uh, Zach, where have you seen God at work, uh, this last week? Uh, that's a really good question.
1: Um, all over the place. Well, it's, I keep seeing God show up at our evenings, our new evening service that we had. Um we did our first dinner church this week and um kind of the whole idea we we all the other weeks we do in the sanctuary but on the first Sunday we're we're gathering down in our fellowship hall and and gathering around the table, eating a meal together, doing church, doing communion. And uh we're just a few like four weeks into having this new service and it's, you know, like anything it's up and down and, uh, it's during football game time. And so that messes with it. And we had no idea what to expect this last week and just had all kinds of folks show up and just be present in president. Uh, not quite sure, you know, not, not knowing exactly what it was going to be. We didn't know exactly what it was going to be. Uh, you know, the invitation at the beginning of the service was we're going to have lots of opportunities to be graceful today. Um, and just gather around the table and and see what that looks like for us in these moments, because um, we don't we don't know. And uh, it was really cool to see people just lean into something totally different than what um, they may have experienced in in church in worship in that setting. So it was super fun. Um, definitely in the hustle and bustle and stress of trying to put that together um, and running around like a crazy person. It it was cool to see, uh, see where God showed up in those moments. How about you, Matthew?
0: You know, um, we had 11 inches of snow on Saturday. <laughs> and so, delightful. um, I know that that tickles your fancy a little bit. Um, but I know for me, like what was amazing is like, when you have those moments and like I showed up, well, even when I showed up at church on Sunday morning to get ready, noticing that uh, our company hadn't come and uh, done a lot yet. Mm-hmm. I got a little, confused. I was like, Oh no, like my, my didn't make a mistake. Should I we just gone ahead and, you know, gone digital and, you know, just started, you know, kind of running through that gamut. <laughs> so I went in my office and was sitting in my office doing kind of just getting ready, making sure I had things ready to get uh, things in order for Sunday morning. And all of a sudden I could hear the, <laughs> you know, and, and I was like, could that be, or is it, you know, is it the main street? And I was like, so I walked out, uh, looked in our, through our narthex and could see the the snow plow. I was like, oh, today is going to be a good day. Okay. And you know, like, um, when I do the welcome, you know, I usually say this is, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And on poor weather days, it's hard for me to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Cause you know, uh, it's a little bit difficult when it doesn't look great outside. Um, but, you know, the sun came out and, uh, you know, we had a, we had a fairly good attendance, all things considered. Um, you know, I know neighborhoods were horrible, but I know that people uh, either tuned in online and, and and slowly getting to understand what we're trying to do online. Uh, but then also the, uh, um, the in-person crowd was great. And um, we did the, at the first service, everybody was like, looks like everybody's going to get to greet everybody today because <laughs> they were a little thin and, you know, we had fun with it. And, um, you know, I think that that's the um, thing as we think about um, in the season when we have to wrestle with that. And that's one of the hardest things that we as pastors have to deal with. Um, when you get the tinkle from God, you know, that little, just like pull to do it, just go ahead and do it. Um, and, and I'm gonna lie, like a lot of churches in our area were closing um, or going virtual or whatever they were doing but I just kept getting this pull from God, like, just be faithful and it will be okay. And like, I felt that like, even in the second service when I wasn't, I was still coming off of the flu and was not feeling a hundred percent. I knew that God had me and I knew it was going to be okay. So love that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we want to encourage you to to keep listening. Uh, This is, um, you know, we're, uh, man, we've been doing this for eight years and it seems like uh, we still have a lot to learn. Uh, and so want to encourage you to go to our website at beardedtheologians.com and check out all of our past uh, episodes, as well as, um, you know, pick up some gear for your loved one for Valentine's day or for Lent or Easter or whatever, whatever holiday you may need a gift for, or even start planning for your white elephant cell, uh, uh gifts so It's not a great, uh, not a bad time to do that now. Um, and you can find all that at beardedtheologians.com. So for the bearded theologians, I'm Matt Franks.
1: Uh, I'm Zach Bechtold.